0: What are the pandemic lessons and trends smart businesses will learn and employ going forward? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers.
1: Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman.
0: It seems kind of in today's universe, a little bit redundant to talk about the future because we're kind of reinventing it as we go along, especially with this whole COVID thing that's gone on. A lot of us have made changes that we never could have envisioned even six or seven months ago. But as somebody said, the future is where you'll spend the rest of your life. So we've invited Patrick Schwartfeger, who's a business futurist. He specializes in technology trends. He's lectured at Purdue and Stanford. He's a frequent presence on Bloomberg TV. And he's written, bless his heart, six books, and his most recent book, and we'll link to the book in the show notes on the show website, shiftshapersonline.com, is called Pandemic Inc. Eight Trends Driving Growth and Success in the New Economy. And I thought with that title, we had to have him on the podcast. So welcome, Patrick. Yeah, thanks so much, David. I'm happy to be here with you it's a pleasure. Now, so here's a side note because I'm always envious of people who do or were like the leading edge. We talked about this offline. You had a podcast back in 2006 and that's before anybody knew what podcasts were. So, kudos to you. I know you didn't you didn't continue it beyond 15 episodes, but kudos to you. That was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, you know, at the time I was uh I was kind of a struggling self-employed you know, real estate person at the time, I was looking just to find new customers. And I remember one day I was watching TV on the morning and they were, you know, this is a long time ago, we were still in the Iraq war at the time, or just kind of slowly getting out of it. And they were doing an interview with a guy and they said that he's a podcaster and he has a podcast about politics. And I was like, man, podcast, what in the world is that? And so I, I got online and Google and everything else and, and figured out what I needed. And I went to Best Buy and got a microphone and installed Audacity on my computer and ended up having my first episode on the Apple's iTunes store uh, that same evening. It was it was January 19th, 2006, because <laughs> I remember it clearly because it was two days before my birthday. And, wow. and that that one little project just kind of cascaded into a whole new world of digital
0: marketing which was the genesis of what I'm doing today. It's fascinating how sometimes, you know, mighty oaks from little acorns grow, as they say. But let's let's dive into the book a little bit. So eight trends, and I know we've talked about them offline a little bit, and, and you've outlined them for me, but let's go through them in order and, and talk about what they are and how they're going to impact folks who might be listening to the podcast and how they may be impacting them already. And you use a mnemonic called salvaged, which is a whole other conversation for another day. But the first S stands for self-sufficiency. Yeah. What's that trend look like? How's it impacting folks? What's it likely to do?
2: Well, it's, I mean, it, it's affecting a lot of different things, but the reality is that people want to be self-sufficient and they want, they don't want to have to rely on other people. Uh, and so we're seeing kind of people are hunkering down and they're, they're hunkered down at home. You were seeing, you know, survival kits are all of a sudden selling very, very well. People are adopting solar panels more aggressively. Uh, the whole living off the grid this even you know overlays into the the political like libertarian political views we see a lot more you know government get out of my way now of course that's balanced with people on the other side but who who want more government intervention but but the bottom line is that people really want to be more self-sufficient and and make decisions on their own which you know it bodes poorly for the sales industry for example Uh, Because people don't want to talk to a salesperson. They just want to do their research. They want to interact with an intuitive online platform. And this relates directly. I know a big part of your audience is in the insurance space. And we've seen this, you know, all these eight trends, David, they're they're not new. They've been around for a long time, but they're accelerating now as a result of the current circumstance. And and any opportunity companies have to create an intuitive online platform, platform where customers or prospects can get the information they need and make a purchase decision right online, right by themselves, sitting in front of a computer in their second bedroom. That's an ideal scenario for companies to grow their revenue going forward.
0: And you know, what's funny is there are parts of the benefits industry writ large that are amenable to that kind of solution. And there are other parts that aren't. And interestingly enough, it's the parts that aren't that seem to be growing the, the fastest right now.
2: Yeah, well, I mean it, it, these things come in waves and the, the funny thing is you know just I know we're probably not going to talk about currency valuations on this call but there's a really fascinating dynamic going on right now with the US dollar. Does it want to go up long term or does it want to go down short term? And we see these sorts of fluctuations. Like right now we're still in the chaos, we're still in the crisis. By all accounts, we're going to have a second wave which which is going to pose new challenges. So there's a lot of flux right now. But we also know that this this trend towards self-sufficiency and, and making decisions on their own, that's going to continue long into the future. So anything we can do to get in front of that is going to help us position for tomorrow's success.
0: No question. It's, it's like once somebody once asked the economist, Elliot Chainway, is the market going up or down? And his answer was yes, but not right away. So. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. he, he, you just got to keep watching, I guess, and, and you got to be mindful. Yeah. I mean, the stock market's a good
2: We're not going to dig into that. but the, the, Of course, today, the, the day that we're recording this, the stock market is selling off as it did yesterday. And that was after you know, five months of an incredible rally. So you have these ebbs and flows, and sometimes the market overshoots for the current confidence levels or whatever. And so all of a sudden, it has to pull back and correct, and things shift over time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you, you look at the the dynamics of the particular stocks, and and sometimes you look at the valuation and say there's no there there, yeah, and yet the numbers keep going up, so that's what corrections are for. Let's move to the second um, sure. the second letter in the in the mnemonic, which is analytics, and that's something a lot of the folks in our industry are starting to dive into because there's a an increased interest in partially self funded plans where you have access to a lot more data.
2: Yeah, and just I mean, the amount of data just on its own is so much higher than it was in the past. I mean, we're we're collecting more data on people and on things, on environments. The, what they call the Internet of Things. There's sensors all over the place, and the sensors themselves are getting cheaper and cheaper. So, essentially, the break-even point to uh, start collecting data on something new that you haven't collected data on in the past, that break-even point just gets lower and lower. So it makes sense to track more and more data. So yeah, we're seeing, of course, the analytics with this with the pandemic has been critically important to see where's the surge and what age groups are affected and what are the different precursors that we can try to monitor or you know the contact tracing. I mean, that's all data-driven. But on the business side, my gosh, you know, you hear these kind of cliche monikers that, you know, data is the new oil, but it's true. It truly is the case today that data is the number one thing. And I'll come back to kind of a marketing angle because we're seeing an explosion in the sophistication of marketing funnels. So, you know, if you, if you send a marketing message out, that the initial message might just be to kind of spur some engagement whether it's positive or negative. So let's say 10% react positively, 90% negatively. Well, now you've got two groups and you have to have a tailored message to the 10% to guide them through the process. And you have to have a tailored message to the 90% that didn't engage and give them something that maybe is more enticing to get them to engage. And then those split into two and those split into two. And before you know it, you have a huge decision tree of marketing tailored marketing messages, and we, we hear a lot of talk these days about following the customer journey. People talk about that all the time in, in, in the kind of enterprise speak, but this is really what they're talking about in not just in the marketing space, but marketing is a perfect example where you know a friend of mine is the host of a essentially a television show. it's not on TV it's kind of on the over the top different media networks. But he he records literally dozens and dozens and dozens of videos that are catered to people in very specific stages of the conversion cycle. And so that those people, regardless of how they navigate through the resources that that are available, there's always a message that's tailored to their exact situation and the decision that's in front of them. And of course, that does a lot to inc- increase conversion. So uh, all of this is data driven. And so we're seeing analytics play out in marketing and advertising. And of course, even in operations and optimization, they're you know, optimizing industrial settings and service settings. And it's incredible how many different things are being optimized. And that's all a function of data analytics.
0: And the speed with which they're being
2: optimized. Because it's yeah. almost real time now. Yeah, well, I mean, you make a good point. So the, there's really three pillars to technology. There's data processing, data bandwidth, and data storage. Uh, and the price of all three of those is going down and down and down, w- which means a whole bunch of things. I mean, of course, that's the, the really the foundation of why the cost structure is dropping across all of technology. But more specifically, businesses are able to, to collect data for cheaper so they can do it on more things they can process it quicker and they can move it through bandwidth from one place to another quicker and so that that was essentially an enabling technology for the cloud to really take off and and now we're seeing you know, hybrid clouds on the edge where we're bringing some of the processing to the edge of the network and even to edge devices, including things like mobile phones is a classic edge device. So, and that allows for more and more real-time processing, real-time optimization. So we're, we're just going to see, you know, for the foreseeable future, we're going to see a never-ending trend towards more intuitive, more you know, every situation is going to be uniquely handled from the technology in a way that the customer feels like the technology understands exactly what they're trying to
0: do. Sure, and then then next up is liquidity.
2: Yeah, liquidity. Well, I mean, that of course impacts the insurance space in a lot of different areas. Uh, from a business perspective, it's it's really more of uh, more critical for the SME, the the small to medium sized enterprise space, because I mean, it's a cash crunch right now. And, you know, the stock market might not reflect it. But the fact is that the economy is really struggling, and and spending is down. And there's a lot of I mean, think about a restaurant, my gosh, I mean, I just feel my heart breaks for, for these, these business owners who have restaurants and things like that, you know, even hair salons and things where their, their cash is just completely gone. So and and even on on the enterprise level we're seeing uh for with publicly traded companies we're seeing a trend towards higher cash balances on corporate balance sheets so people are really really focused on that and and when when you're bringing in new technologies or considering new investments capital investments and so on the number one consideration is does this add to liquidity or does it detract from liquidity? And if it detracts from liquidity, how quickly do we get to a break-even scenario where we're back on the on, in the plus column? Uh, and that, that's something that I think is gonna impact businesses and, and also in, you know executives in the insurance space to decide what can we do now, what's the most efficient way to, to use the money we have available.
1: And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at ShiftShaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com And now, back to our discussion.
0: And we're seeing an awful lot of those conversations happening around the adoption of partially self-funded plans because it does it adds to liquidity and 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 uh, does it in a fairly, in terms of business cycle, a fairly short order. But we talked you talked a little bit earlier about automated platforms. The next piece in in the eight steps is virtualization. How does that play in?
2: you know i mean virtual virtualization is probably the most obvious of the eight i mean we, we see this everywhere with you know everyone's on zoom calls and everything is virtual today we're seeing telemedicine explode where you don't have to go into a doctor's office you can just do it virtually but but you know for a lot of people you know they use zoom for the first time let's say let's say they haven't used it before well for most people after the first experience they're like wow it's actually better than i thought but if you use it for a while, you quickly realize that it's it's still nowhere close to as good as a face-to-face interaction with the distractions and a cat in the background or a truck outside, you know, beeping in reverse or whatever. And so there's a lot of technology, a lot of money flowing into ways to make that virtual experience better. And we're definitely going to see, you know, we've been talking about virtual reality and augmented reality and so on for 10 years, and everyone's been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we really haven't had significant traction. But last year in 2019, Microsoft got a $480 million order for augmented reality glasses for the Department of Defense, for the military. Now that's a leading indicator right now all of a sudden is you know I'm a futurist so what i I'm always looking for leading indicators and 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 structures that I can use to understand how a particular technology will likely propagate and now we've got a situation where most likely tens of thousands of soldiers in our military are going to get trained on whatever they're going to have these augmented reality glasses do, and so those people are also members of our own population. So they know that they're going to come back into the into the regular, you know, non military work life and, and and just life in general, and they're going to be familiar with this technology. So that's going to accelerate the propagation. And I think it won't be long now. There's such a huge incentive. and, and virtual reality really I mean, you leave your world and you go into the virtual world. I mean, it tricks your brain, and you literally leave one and go to the other. So it's incredibly effective. And I've had the the privilege to to test some of these technologies in quite a bit of detail. It's astonishing. I mean, you literally feel like you're in the other world. So that's gonna we're gonna start to see that. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of incentive to push that technology forward. And I think probably within two or three years. We're going to start seeing people literally walking down the street wearing mixed reality headsets that have cameras on the outside so they can see the regular world, but they also have a filter of technology in between them and the world in front of them.
0: It's, it's happiness and it's heading your way. So so virtualization's cousin, maybe automation? Next?
2: Yeah. I mean, are they cousins? That's a great, uh, we could talk about that. So automation refers, at least within the context of my book, it refers really to two different areas. And one is, you know, kind of the software component, which involves, you know, algorithms and uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, All, all those things are kind of encompassed. You could think about robotic process automation, where people are, are increasingly, you know, there's a study that came out that said 40% of accounting employees per billion dollars in revenue, have 40% of those jobs have already disappeared in the last 10 years. So we're seeing this very, very much already. But then the second area is actually robotics. And we're seeing robotics. I mean, you, you can think about a Tesla manufacturing plant, they just came out with a video with just astonishing technology. But you also see technology in agriculture and uh, smaller processes, advanced manufacturing. I mean, robotics are playing a role. In fact, just earlier this morning, I was walking through the house and one of these robotic vacuum cleaners was doing its job in in, in the house where I'm staying right now. So we're seeing this more and more and that also will accelerate in the years to come.
0: We've got three more and three minutes to go. So I think I'm going to skip over government and exponential and go to what you feel is I know the biggest trend because I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about that. And again, we'll link to the book and the websites if you want to learn way more about this. Pick up the book. It's a great read, but it's decentralization. What does that mean? Why is it important, Patrick?
2: Yeah, decentralization is indeed probably the biggest overriding trend. We're seeing this all over the place. So in in the simplest terms, you can think about You know, 20 years ago, we had a dozen primary media outlets. Today, we literally have millions of channels and podcasts and YouTubers and blogs and everything you can think of, including this interview. This is all media. So, we've gone from a centralized uh, media environment to a decentralized media environment. The same is true in energy, right? We used to have centralized energy production. Today, we have solar panels on millions and millions of roofs all over the place that's a decentralized power generation mechanism. And we're seeing like microgrids pop up and all sorts of the whole DeFi movement is moving towards decentralized finance, right? And, and so then you get into, you know, what's the, what's a model to follow? Well, the open source movement is a great model to follow because open source software development is a decentralized software development compared to traditional development. And, and that model can be overlaid into things like blockchain. Uh, blockchain is, of course, the, the technology behind Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, but it's being it's propagating in a wide variety of different areas, including supply chain management and so on. But it's all based on a decentralized protocol. And so we see this decentralization happening all over the place. So in the future, you know, with, with the combination of blockchain and open source, you could imagine, for example, a, an Uber without the company Uber it would just be an open source platform available online no one there wouldn't be it would be the same functionality drivers and people who need a ride but there would be no one in the middle taking 20% right or an Airbnb without the company Airbnb or a PayPal without the company PayPal and that's really what bitcoin is bitcoin is PayPal without the company PayPal so these are all examples of ways where we're moving towards a more decentralized ecosystem. And that definitely is something that we're going to see. In fact, my fifth book is all about that in detail. So we're going to see that propagating for years and years into the future.
0: So we're kind of coming full circle because when you started your podcast back in 2006, you said you went to Best Buy, you picked up a microphone and you got a copy of Audacity. Yeah. And as you know, Audacity is open source software and it still exists today. Yeah. So some of these things have been like percolating out there and just waiting for the right Different set of ingredients to go from being an interesting ingredient to being an interesting soup. Yeah. And I guess, we're, I guess we're getting there. Well,
2: we're getting there. Even the entire internet is run on Linux and Apache. And of course, most websites are built on WordPress. Those are all open source. So open source is propagating. In any direction you look in the business environment, there's more and more open source influence
0: in what's happening. And that is a great place to end our conversation today. But, Patrick, we hope you'll come back and and share some more insights. Patrick Schwertfeger, business futurist, especially in technology trends. If you want to go pick it up before we run the, the interview, and you can find the link on the show website. The book is called Pandemic, Inc., Eight Trends Driving Growth and Success in the New Economy. Patrick, again, thanks so much. Thanks, David. It was a pleasure.
1: The Shift Shapers Podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.